Um, and by the way, I don't want to cure all my ADHD because one of my biggest talents that well, all ADHD people have, um, even though it can backfire on us, is divergent thinking. We are divergent thinking phenomenal experts. You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. This is Sarah Box, your host. And we are here for another great No Labels, No Limits conversation. However, this week is a little different. I'm interviewing two different people. Actually, it's going to be a conversation. So I have some questions. They can each ask questions of the other person as well. These are two of my recent new friends and favorite people in the way they come about how our brains work, how we're wired, the uniqueness of each of us, and how that contributes to the whole of us. So with that, as a brief introduction, I would like to introduce you to Yole, I always do your name wrong, Yoli. Bertolette, Bertolette, You could say it. And Tamara Rozier. And Tamara trained me on her name, so I have that down. Um, so would each of you, and Yoli, would you start, please? Would each of you introduce yourself, say a little bit about your background and what you do, um, and then we'll get into the conversation, okay? Yeah, sure. Happy to do so. And thank you for having me again um, on the show. Um, so my name is Jolle. I live in Hamburg, Germany, um, and I'm a coach for highly sensitive people. And um, I center around two topics. One is the trauma. So I do trauma-informed coaching and therapy because that is a really, really big issue with highly sensitive people, unfortunately. And the second thing I, um, I center around is that I think that the highly sensitive people are the missing link in, in the discussion in our society and that we really need to step up and have the guts to show who we are and take part in the discussion. So I work with a lot of um, highly sensitive who would identify as change leaders or change makers, trying, you know, helping them, not trying, helping them to get over trauma and other limiting beliefs that keep them from, from thriving and having their voice heard. Thanks, Julie. Tamara? I'm Tamara Rozier, and uh, my career began in teaching high school, and then I moved to higher ed and uh, taught and did some leadership things in higher ed uh, for quite a while. And then I uh, became an ADHD coach and started the ADHD Center of West Michigan. Uh, I've written two books now, uh, Your Brain's Not Broken. And uh, my newest book is You, Me, and Our ADHD Family. And that book talks about, so you're in a neurodiverse family. What do we do with that? Uh, okay. That's it. So let's start with um, a simple question from the purview of the listener, okay? And that is, how do you define 
ADHD and highly sensitive. So we talked about right before we hit record, you know, Yoli, you mentioned that you used to refer to ADD, you have some characteristics. And I think there's a number of us who don't really understand, I'm putting myself in the number of us group, some of the finer distinctions between how each of you use your language so that we can kind of talk cross cross-platform if we're using a computer analogy. Yeah, I, I love that you're asking this question. Yoli, if you don't mind, I'd like to go first and then have you build on what I say. Um, so re research has just blossomed about ADHD. And so now that we can see the brain, we can see things happening in the brain, we're, we're really more convinced about what's happening. And so there's there's brain differences that we see in individuals with ADHD. So what happens is, and Sarah, uh, your listeners might remember because I'm gonna nerd out again, just for a few moments, but not, I'll come right back. Um, if, you, if your listeners tap on their forehead, that is their prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is the, it's like the conductor for the orchestra. It tells, it kind of directs your brain, it remembers to plan, it's um, the seat of short-term memory, working memory, um, emotional regulation, you know, all really nifty things to have in a modern world. Um, and the research is that those of us with ADHD have poor access to our prefrontal cortex, which means it's unreliable access. We still have one, but it's, it's an unreliable connection. And so what we do instead is we begin to rely on a different part of our brain. And so now if your listener cups their ear, that's approximately where the limbic system is. And the limbic center is um, the seat where the amygdala is. And remember, um, a lot of us know this, the amygdala is where we sense fight, flight, freeze, or appease. Um, it's where we sense there's a danger. And those of us, and research keeps backing this up, those of us with ADHD, we're in high alert a lot. We're trying to scan, constantly scan our environment. Are we in danger? Are we in danger? Those people without ADHD don't need to constantly scan. Uh, their prefrontal cortex says, stand down, we're safe. And uh, what happens is, once our brains sense danger, oh, by the way, danger can be anything from missing a homework assignment to running late for a dentist appointment. That's enough to send our um, amygdala into this kind of panic zone, right? Then those of us with ADHD attach an emotion to that. And then we go through life having a lot of emotion. And one of the reasons why I'm interested in this conversation is some people will say, oh, I think ADHD is my gift. And I will say it is not a gift. It is a difference. And we are finding that ADHD people are neurologically more sensitive. And this comes down to our gut biome, our uh, nervous system, and et cetera. Okay, now you, <laughs> Yildi. Yeah, thanks, Tamara. Yeah, I we, I think we both know that a lot there are a lot of similarities and overlap. Um, 
And thank you for that explanation. I think that was very, very easy to understand. Um, and I think since a lot of HSPs also uh, have ADD or similar uh, conditions that mimic something like ADD due to trauma. I think that is something that really needs to be talked about because um, some of I think some of the similarities that exist between people that have ADHD and HSP um, are actually due to trauma. And I would really love to see more research on that because when I was reading through this list, I mean the trauma therapist didn't said you know take the box, take the box, take the box. And it's probably very early trauma, so it would be would be very interesting to find out more. That is one of the things Sarah and I talked about um, to find out, you know, what happens in very early development. Um, so I would say that in the case of let's say an HSP that only carries that trait, at the moment it is said that it is a neurodiversity. It's not that there's something wrong with the person; it's just a different kind of wiring. And I've actually lately heard that about ADHD as well. So it's very interesting to hear your point on that. And um, I would say that a lot of the things that are similar, um, like the creative part, the part of um, being able to actually experience more than other people can, are by degrees different. For example, the the emotionality of highly sensitive people that emotional reactivity is really about the depth of emotion we really go deep 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 dig deep into that emotion um but we can actually pop out of it if we're not traumatized we can pop out of it very quickly again yeah so you will find a lot of artists and musicians and people that do that by default going into deep emotions you will find that they're highly sensitive people where i understand that with adhd it is more of a complete overwhelm that creates the emotional reactivity. So maybe correct me with that, but I think that is, you know, one of the points where it looks similar, but it's actually not the same. So over to you, Tamara. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm sorry, I didn't realize if you, um, you know, I think that's a wonderful way of distinguishing. Um, I do want to add those of us with ADHD, we're low-hanging fruit for trauma because we don't have it. And, and you know, you're, I could Sarah could just hear your listeners like, wait, I was just getting clarity on this. Um, but we're going to kind of mess things up before we can clear it, and then we'll probably mess it up again. Um, ADC people, uh, because we don't have the protection of the prefrontal cortex, say, no, you don't have to have a big emotion about this. And when I say big emotion, I mean, I have big emotions about everything. Um, it's like my five senses are turned up too high. And what Yoli just referred to is sometimes that's overwhelming for me. Now, I'm a grown woman. I can sit through meetings without, you know, having to kick off my shoe. But am I going to sit and think, wow. I tied my left shoe too tight today. I tied my shoe too tight. I, oh, I wish the shoe wasn't on my foot. Darn it, the shoe is on my foot. And now that light's buzzing. What the heck is up with that light? It's my, my prefrontal cortex doesn't go, hey, how about we just not pay attention to your shoe for a moment and listen to the person speaking? And so what Yoli said is all that, that coming into me 
it makes me incredibly overwhelmed. Now, I'd like to add something here. Um, it's work that I've been slowly building on. I think we're going to be reading more about this in the ADHD community. Um, Bill Dotson suggests that we have a different type of nervous system. And what I find similar to HSP is I need to re-regulate my nervous system frequently. Um, now, uh, I'm a person who has ADHD, and I should tell you, er early trauma. And so the reason I say that is my ACE score isn't so high. ACEs, um, well, Yoli, maybe you want to explain the ACE score. Maybe you'll do it better. I think you can do that better than I can. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, the we give the ACE score um, at the ADHD Center, and it's adverse childhood um, events. And that gives us an idea of the person's background. Um, and it has things like, was a parent an alcoholic? Um, have you seen someone murdered? Like, it, it's a whole list of adverse events. Those affect us. And so we give it because those of us with ADHD, with without the prefrontal cortex, trauma does affect us. And trauma, um, it doesn't take a lot of trauma to affect us. Um, go ahead, Julie. Tam Tamara, because I've... Um, I found this discussion so interesting. I've, the, the, the road I, route I've been going down is more to actually understand where does this diverse wiring come from? And I think the nature and nurture debate is not over yet in that sense. So, um, I, I sense that there is probably early trauma, <coughs> excuse me, early trauma in utero actually involved in that alternate wiring, be ADHD or HSP. So, um, you know, some of it might be genetic, but I think that at a certain point, something happens that influences the development of the nervous system, the way it actually ripens or doesn't, you know, fully do what it's supposed to do. Then there is discussion at least uh, with, with ADHD is uh, with the retained primitive reflexes. Um, mm -hmm. On that, yes. which in my case, since I, you know, also um, am an ADD person, I, I mean, I mean, I struggle with that. I can maybe you can help me because now it's all put under one umbrella, but to me, it, it's still two different things. Um, and I work with somebody here on those um, primitive retained reflexes, and mm -hmm. my that condition has actually improved a lot. There were quite a mm -hmm. lot of things that I couldn't do before that over, would overwhelm me. That when that got sort of fixed or integrated. Um, I feel a lot better, I really have to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to ask you to give an example of that, Yoli, so that someone is going, okay, I I get it, but what are those fixed primitive reefs? You know, like, what do you mean by that in case someone's not, like, they go, I think I know, but I'm... A piece of paper here, typically ADD, because in the moment that I need it, I can't remember it. So that is one strategy, get a piece of paper and write it down somewhere. So you don't freak out and you go even more down more loopholes of not remembering because you can't reach your prefrontal cortex. So here it is. Um, it's an involuntary motor response, uh, involuntary motor responsive originating in the brainstem present after birth 
and are in, they they are there in early child child development actually to facilitate your survival. So for example, that reflex, it's, um, mm -hmm. the power grab grasp reflex. You know, it's almost like monkeys that you hold on to anything. Yeah. Then there is this moral reflex um, that people still go into if they stay in the shock state. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a very early reflex. And if you and it's a movement like this. And it is actually, if it's not integrated, it will mess up your neck and your back and your whole movement patterns. And then they say there are six primary ones. And the lady I worked with said there were 18. <laughs> now, me being me, guess how many from 18 were not okay? In my case, there were 17. So she said, how did you get through life? You know? Right. So I think there are many, many different angles in this discussion that that could and should be looked at it's not it's not i, I keep saying we need to be really humble and you mm -hmm. know because there's so much we don't yet know so i'd like to circle back if we could to the nature nurture um what uh barkley um estimates that if your dad has adhd uh, you have a 0.8 or higher likelihood of having ADHD. If your mom has ADHD, you have a 0.6. So that's, um, for those of you listening, it's 60% and 80%. So that's, that's a high hereditary component. But here's what I'm finding and what the research bears out. Uh, we have protective features. So those of us with ADHD, we, we are born with those primitive reflexes. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, and yet some of us, our protective features will help us not um, rely on them as, as much. And so protective features are like, do you have a stable family? Uh, do you have a, um, like, do you go to school? Do you, are your parents helping you study? Um, do you have a high enough social economic status? Um, you know, all these protective features um, I find really help people and my heart breaks for people with low protective features. Um, they didn't have a shot. Whereas some of us just have just enough, right? And, and when you were saying, the therapist said to you, how did you get this far? My first thought was probably she had some great protective features along the way. Yes and no, but I, mean, I had a lot of trauma a lot of trauma to get through mm -hmm. um so maybe some of it is sheer willpower <laughs> but well i was going to say iq is a is a very protective feature and yes, probably this um yes but what i was going to say is that you know to bring that also into discussion is that trauma actually affects the same area of the brain that we are you were talking yes. about so it's mm -hmm. not that easy to differentiate either for highly sensitive people nor for um, for ADHD. How much of that is actually due to trauma, and how much, you know, to that inherent something that you got from your parents, or that just happened to be, or you know, you had a toxic environment, this and that. And so when I work with people, the first thing I do is I check trauma, and I try and take as much of the trauma out of the equation, and then what remains is maybe part of the personality or the life story that just person needs to find a way to live with.
That's interesting. Um, this may not be the part of the conversation where I should ask you this, but what role do you think personality plays in this? Well, you probably would have to define personality. Yeah. Um, so let Let's just define it using the big five. Just very basic. Um, for for the listeners, big five is openness, conscientiousness, um, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. So I think personality is whatever talents or quirks, I would define it that way, talents or quirks okay. we have just simply by having come to this world with a certain genetic makeup. Um, meaning um, if I am, for example, very highly sensitive and I'm very aware of the emotions of other people, that doesn't actually need to lead to overwhelm. Maybe that's the point I want to make. Yeah, it leads mm -hmm. to overwhelm if I don't know anything about my energy body. It leads into overwhelm if I'm in a toxic environment. It leads to overwhelm if I've been bullied. It leads to overwhelm if I don't understand how to to maintain my own inner self, my inner core. Um, mm -hmm. So in itself, let's say the personality aspect of being a sensitive person or even a very sensitive person in itself is just a part of my personality or my temperament, but it's not a problem. Yeah, whereas, um, or let's say I'm a very musical person or I'm somebody who's very interested in numbers or I'm somebody who's a really good listener. These are, I would say, they're gifts that you have, but um, they um, they are not something caused by trauma. They are deformed by trauma. Informed. And so, no, I... I I see where you're going with this, and I, I, I see this a little bit differently, um, and I'd love to run it by you. Um, I, if you imagined a Venn diagram, and ADHD is in one circle, and your personality is in the other. Um, and I, so I, I work with enough people, they interact with their ADHD differently. So, all right, I'm going to be too vulnerable and regret this later, but I hate the weakness I feel when I experience my ADHD. Or I'm also I'm also highly sensitive. I hate that as a weakness. And so in my personality, I go to my personality and go, hey, what do we have in our toolbox to hide all this? And so I respond and react differently where someone else may go, I need to search for help in someone. Yeah, I agree. Or yeah. Yeah, so let me ask a question before Yoli kind of responds to that. Are you so your response because of not liking that aspect or feeling that is it not the aspect of your personality or the feelings that that brings up? I I think I and I, I really do want to hear what Yoli wants to say. So I don't want to push my answer here, but for me, um, I, I see different types of personalities. And like the high, person who's highly conscientious might go, well, I just have to problem solve my way out of this. And they approach it differently. Okay. Whereas I am like, well, screw this vulnerability. I will just tighten down the hatches and never let anyone know I have ADHD. You see, we. Right. I got and, it. And I agree. Personality is formed. Um, 
but so Yoli, I'm well I'm so interested in your point of view. Putting these strings together and also for the people listening. So let's take for take for example that aspect of disorganization. Okay. Um, which we could say there are some people that by nature are more organized than others. Yeah. Or yeah. prefer to have a, a tidy room and other people say I really care. Okay. So in under normal circumstances, one let's <laughs> say one of my children is rather untidy and uh, I find that horrible, but she doesn't. So I can't say that that is pathological, you know, it's just the way she is. So um, it doesn't mean that she's actually disorganized in, in her brain. It just means that she has a different sense of how her environment should be or structured or yes, whatever. Okay. Hey there, everybody. I want to take just a minute out of this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast to tell you that we are officially opening the Sandbox membership in September. So if you're not already on our mailing list, please click the link below to either sign up for the membership or get on the waiting list for the membership. And if you click the link, you'll find more information about what's included, what our plans are, and better yet, you'll be on early enough to help decide what is most important to you to experience in the first three to six months of the membership. So don't wait. Click the link below and join us in the sandbox where fun happens. We get to do a little R&R, &R, little learning, support one another, and really grow and expand in ourselves, in our lives, and impact the world in a profound way. So come on over, join us. So I, I needed to learn, for example, that that disorganization part that I sometimes have has nothing to do with my HSP part. It has to do with having had a very severe father. Yeah, growing mm. up in an environment yeah. where you never get anything right. It was always wrong, no matter what you did. So that has nothing to do with my personality. I might have, I might actually be tidier than I would be by nature, just simply because of that. Mm. And there's an aspect of the ADD that needed to be looked at in terms of disorganization, but that has a different source. And I find that when I work with my clients, I try, I just try and get an overview of what belongs where, because it needs a different kind of treatment. So the ADHD aspect yes. needs a different kind of attention than whatever disorganization I might have because I, my dad was that way. So maybe that's the point I'm trying to make. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, what's what's happening right now in the field of ADHD is there's a lot of attention being paid to emotional dysregulation. And it wasn't given much attention um, before five years ago. In fact, my book was one of the first books that started to talk about uh, emotional dysregulation and ADHD. I was really nervous putting that out because I thought, Oh dear, this, I could get shot down for this, but the research was there, right? So uh, something that many ADHD coaches talk about is we coach from the back of the brain forward. And what we mean by that is we have to start coaching the emotional dysregulation first. I go through life having big emotions about everything, right? 
I'm too hot, big emotion about that. And, or, you know, uh, a lot of ADHD people are easily hurt uh, through criticism and they'll harbor those feelings of resentment. Um, and it's the brain trying to protect itself and all that, but you have to coach the emotional regulation techniques before we can coach the prefrontal cortex techniques, like organizing your life and moving through life, um, at least modern life, more successfully. Yeah, because emotions overrule the frontal brain. It's just, it just makes All sense. the time. Yes, yeah. So when you coach um, your HSP people, how do you start? Or where do you see the primary? Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, I I really always start with the point that there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Where I start. Your brain's not broken. That's the pain point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the pain yeah. point. Then, then I point out that, at least in the case of high sensitivity, it is a gift because there are so many aspects of high sensitivity that are um, just wonderful. Then they also need regulation at some certain points, but mm-hmm. you know, a non-traumatized HSP doesn't get overwhelmed that easily. Right. <laughs> so that's a bit, okay. Yes. Um, and the next thing is I do I do address address the body. So in a way I do you know this bottom up if you want to. Um, I look at the nervous dysregulation. I look at limiting beliefs. I look at chronic arousal. I look at and I like this English word unhelpful feeling patterns. <laughs> um, and then I do something which not a lot of HSP coaches do. So I would like to take the opportunity to mention that is I look at the energy body. Because it is my belief that we are electromagnetic beings. And I think that the antennas that highly sensitive people have for information, that that is actually the medium. It's not just that we read facial expressions really well or body language or something. We just have this uncanny sense and it needs to come from somewhere. And my hypothesis is it is the energy body. And a lot of the emotional overwhelm actually goes through the uh, the energetic body. So that's the basis of what I look at. Um, I don't know how you how you do that, but I love what you just said because a little light bulb just went out in my heart. In my heart, actually, because I, I, you know, I said I'm HSP, and I I know things, and I. My husband will look at me, who also has ADHD, will go, how do you know that? How would how would one know that? And I really don't know how. Um, and I'm not talking a supernatural, you know, a hurricane's coming. I, it's just uh, this, well, I don't know how I know this. It just picked up. Yeah, uh, what's fast? Yeah, it's just, I picked it up. I reoriented it in my brain somehow. And I have very sensitive antenna. And what's fascinating for me is when I coach my clients, I can tell who's HSP and I can tell who's not. And that is exactly, I hired a a coach in the center who's also HSP. Now the language she uses is empath. Um, That's a little woo-woo language, I know. Um, Oh, I'd like to hear the difference, but what she just knows things about her clients. And I I thought everyone coached like that. 
like I thought everyone just had that intuitive nature where I thought, what's so hard about coaching? This is easy. You just put, you just, whatever the client brings, you use. And they hardly ever bring words. They're bringing all this energy with them. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't understand that this wasn't part of the ADHD experience until very recently. When I was looking at my husband going, gosh, how can you be so dumb? Like, this is very obvious. Yes, exactly. And but that's it's the obvious. Hmm. And my my three children are HSP, and we'll talk about it. Kind of, we talk about it amongst ourselves. Um, yeah. and we have a very we have antenna, and that's absolutely. Yeah. And that would be one way of explaining it. Um, and that is science. I mean, this is not Google. Yeah, and I, I know, Sarah, you were laughing because I could see you sit there. Yes, yes, I know about that. And turn up talked about that. It's so fun. Yeah, this is obviousness, isn't it? <laughs> yes. But you know what? I, I do appreciate, I so appreciate the conversation the two of you are having because there's just little nuances, differences between the two, and it's so easy to assume one thing that might just mimic another thing. So like you were saying about your husband, Tamara, how can you not see this? Right. Because it's so obvious to you. Now, Yoli has, um, she really has this deep belief that I believe, it's one of the things I'm thinking she's onto something, that this HSP component is super important for us moving through the world we're in, entering into now or have been going kind of mucking ourselves the way through the last many years. But Yoli, would you talk a little bit about that and the change maker thing? Because I think for number one, I think Tamara will find it interesting, but I'll bet she comes up with some questions for you about it. Yeah, and vice versa, I'm sure. So, so yeah, thank you, Sarah. I would just like to return briefly because it's, it's part of the sure. discussion that empath that you were talking about. I think the discussion of empath is not not rule at all. I think it's, um, there's actually a confusion about high sensitivity and, and high empathy. Um, again, I think they are actually two different things, but they can overlap. So I came up with this, and um, Sarah knows this, I came up with this, at the moment, very basic sort of spectrum of high sensitivity. And um, high empathy is just, one possible aspect that can be mixed in. So there are highly sensitive people that are not very empathic, but they still have those antennas. And then you have empaths that are highly empathic, but they are they they have that partial sensitivity for that kind of energy and for giving themselves actually to somebody else to 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 do this um, service aspect. Um, for other people, so um, I think there's still lots of work to be done to to actually again, I mean, maybe that's just how my brain works to actually understand separate components of things rather than having just one category for everyone. I love what you're saying here, though. So here's what I think you said. There's like a a scale of how sensitive, right? But then there's also how we tune in differently. So. So I see this in my children. Uh, one of my children is a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. And she's very good at healing. Because 
it's almost like she can feel where the client's pain is. Now, she's highly trained, but she's like, no, there's something that goes beyond the training yeah. that I can't put my finger on. It's something. And so she has that, whereas, um, you know, another daughter may have um, more of a sensitivity spiritually. And and it's a true sensitivity. And, and you said something that I really like that you're legitimizing in my head. It's like feeling an energy. Mm. And feeling the different energies and I, I really appreciated that yeah i think that is essentially what high sensitivity is about really it's one yes. of the essential core elements um so if we would go back to that spectrum that i have in in my mind at the moment then it has you know it has those central aspects and then it has aspects added on for example high empathy and then, or high potential, not every um, highly sensitive person also is a high potential person that is always, is also many times mixed, yeah? And the other aspect that Sarah was talking about is the change maker and change leader aspect. So one of the core components of highly sensitive people in, in, you know, in my, my view is that, that we all carry this, this aspect of something's wrong here. We can feel that something's off. And as a general rule, because we're so creative and we're so good at complex thinking, we come up with, we want to come up with solutions. You know, we were like, oh, we can't stay here. I mean, there are other possibilities. Let's do something about that. And then there are those that actually then say, because they carry that aspect, in addition, I'm the one who's going to lead in this. Even if I'm highly sensitive, even if I get easily or more easily overwhelmed or I go down too many rabbit holes at the same time, I'm going to take the responsibility to to organize this change, to, to bring that impulse into the world. And that's what I think what Sarah, what you're referring to. And not every highly sensitive person has that complete aspect. They have this aspect of let's get together and change something or they have the aspect of something's off here, but they don't necessarily have that part of their personality to go back to that to say raise their arm and say I'm gonna do it. So yeah. are you gonna do it? I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um you know you and I both have trauma. Um one of my goals in my family and I've talked about it with my children is the idea of it stops here. The generations of Abuse, emotional abuse stops here. And I wasn't a perfect parent. My children are all in their 20s and 30s now. Um, so I can say they turned out to be good humans and breathe a sigh of relief. But they all know, knew my mission was it stops here. And I'm resetting the generations. That is and, a huge task. Yeah. And, and I, I'm not saying I've done it perfectly. But, but that was like, and that was born in me, born in me at a young age. Um, yeah, I write you. about it. Yeah, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. It's me. Yes. I'm sorry. The Italian part of me keeps interrupting. I'm sorry. Oh, please do. I love it. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, but it's that mission that I'm talking about, mm -hmm. that impulse that many highly sensitive people carry that they say, I have this thing that keeps coming back that I actually need mm -hmm. to do. 
Yeah, I don't necessarily need to lead in it, but I, there's something that, if you want to use that world, my soul wants to do. And in your okay. case, one of the things was it stops here. I have the ability to, to do this. I have everything I need, and I decide I'm going to do this because this is my gift for my the generations that come after me. And that's the hell yeah. of a mission. <laughs> I knew I knew it at seven years old. And that, and, and so what I'm saying is, I wasn't smart enough at seven years old. I just knew it was my mission, right? Right. Yeah. So that that really hits home when you say that. Um. Okay. It, I'm wondering, and I, I'm just wondering this out loud, and I'm wondering if most HSPs have trauma or ADHD? I think most highly sensitive people, and I like Sarah's question about our society and what we need to change, carry trauma and a lot of trauma. And if it's just mm -hmm. having been bullied or having had this sense of, I'm different. And I've not mm -hmm. heard and I've not seen as a rule. Um, and then you can add all the other kinds of trauma of, you know, your parents fighting alcohol, somebody being incarcerated, uh, divorce, um, abuse of all kinds, um, trauma in utero, when if your mother had stress, um, I mean, you know, um, right. born in war zones. I mean, imagine mm -hmm. what that does, you know, to, to a nervous system that has not fully developed. Um, so yes, I think the way our society and our world is organized right now, it's very hard for somebody who's so sensitive not to be traumatized. Well, I, I think that assumption, you know, join what you're saying and then adding on to it, our immediate connectivity to everything right now is traumatizing in and of itself, right? Just that someone can ping you or ding you or you're gonna like, here's a piece of information that you, you're not prepared for and you're not even emotionally, you're not grounded for and boom, it's in you. And I don't wanna overstate that, but honestly, you can feel like your body just getting slammed with something because someone offhandedly said, I gotta tell you about this terrible thing I just saw. Those are words for me because I have to tell you about a terrible thing I just saw, I, just, I don't wanna hear it. I don't wanna hear it because I always feel terrible. Always. There's not one time someone has said that that I felt great afterwards. A terrible thing I just saw. Could you keep it to yourself or process it appropriately? Yeah. Right. And the thing is, if you are an empath, if you're highly sensitive and carry a lot of empath parts in you as well, which you probably do, Sarah, it does a lot more damage to you than it would be to mm -hmm. somebody who's not structured that way. Well, yeah, I have to start my day over and go, okay, let's get grounded. Yeah. Let's yep. get recentered. Let's talk about what's true. You can't do anything yeah. about that. But then my mind goes, what kind of person are you that shares that kind of information? There are other options to talk to people about except terrible things you just saw. Or, you know, so that's just me going off on that. But I do think in our world today, there's so much of that coming in about what's terrible, what's wrong. We're on the edge of this imminent disaster. And yet I sit here with two brilliant women talking about hope of looking at things differently and maybe understanding one another in different ways. Um, but I think about my grandkids who are on social media and then the research on just how, when Yoli, you were saying you feel invisible or different, 
how can you not feel invisible or different when things are screenshotted or photoshopped and put up and you see this tiny little piece of someone's life, but you don't see the what else is in the iceberg under the surface. And for me, that, that just gets so fired up, you guys. So, um, so would you talk about some of that, the whole so, social piece and, and folks? Tamara, you were going to say something? I'd love to hear Tamara on that because we've talked a lot about high sensitivity now, and I have tons of questions about ADHD. So why don't you take oh. over? <laughs> Well, it, there's so there's so many. I, I've been so fascinated listening to you, and um, so I it, it's just so. I'm sorry, my brain is going in so many directions because there's so, <laughs> no, I love um, that <laughs> because there's so many things, um, and it is difficult. And I, I like how you try to separate um, because you know I'm showing up three for three in our three categories trauma, HSP, and ADHD. And when I was writing my books, I had to remember that I was writing to a non-HSP group who still had big emotions about everything, who could still have rejection sensitivity. That doesn't make them HSP. And so, I, you know, it's interesting um, trying to write to the ADHD population and removing all that from my experience um and it's um and yet i do know i did let some of the trauma in um and so i alluded to it in my second book um i didn't i downplayed the situation a lot um and that's because we know in adhd families there's a high risk of emotional abuse physical abuse alcoholism we just know that that goes hand in hand so um it, it, yeah, this is a great conversation, and I so appreciate this. So, what's one of the questions that you have? Well, um, I always hear that H H E H E that was such a mouthful for me um, cannot really be cured. So, when I experienced this therapy with the primitive retained reflexes, and I felt better by this degrees, I was like, you know, you're the specialist in that. Um, do you believe that? Do you believe it cannot be? I mean, probably can't be completely healed, but um, is there a way that we can learn to to regulate enough so it doesn't keep interfering in a toxic way with our lives? Mm -hmm. I do. Um, I really do. Uh, and he here's how I talk about it with my clients. They show up and they're barely surviving. And my goal isn't to change their brain structure, but the goal is to move them from surviving to thriving. So I would say I am an example of a person with ADHD who's thriving. By the way, some people will say, oh, you can't write a book because you have ADHD. Well, guess what I did? But I will always struggle with short attention um, my short-term memory, rather. So my short-term memory is like, okay, I just put down the remote. Where is that remote? Because I have no memory. And frankly, the remote's not that important to remember, right? So I do spend a lot of time going, okay, remote, come here, remote, um, or with other things. Now I don't lose my keys. 
the only reason I don't lose my keys is because I have keyless entry to my car. So my keys just stay in my purse and it happens all by magic. And so I'm in thriving, but I haven't gotten rid of all my ADHD deficits. I've just made my environment work better for me. And it's very sensitive. Now, I think you're onto something with reprogramming the nervous system. Um, again, I still see deficits in people who do the reprogramming um, of their nervous system, but I see definite improvement. And so what I'm trying to say is I try to move my clients out of this surviving, fighting every day for survival and overwhelm and anguish and, and to move them through how do I account for the fact that I'm very sensitive? How do I account for the fact that I have big emotions about everything? How do I account for this? And so I do that with my clients through using metaphors. And But the, the thing is, it's not to get rid of it. It's to, it's to make the butterflies fly in formation and just to get me through the day. Now, by the way, I will say it's harder, um, and this isn't a sad story, but it's harder for me to look normal than it is for other people. Um, I was in D.C. a couple um, weeks ago, and I was uh, with ADHD experts from all over the U.S., and they were talking about ADHD, and I was there as the lived experience person. And every morning we'd leave the hotel, and for some reason, these people just knew when to leave, how to leave. It, they just knew these things, the what, the what, how, and when that I always kind of grasp with, right? So I'm not saying that will be suddenly cured, but I have enough um, systems in place where it's not stump causing me to just stumble every day. And so that's what I mean by um, and by the way, I don't want to cure uh, my ADHD because one of my biggest talents that, well, all ADHD people have, um, even though it can backfire on us, is divergent thinking. We are divergent thinking phenomenal experts. You say, can you, you know, tell me how these two things are related? And we're like, of course we can, because we can draw these wild connections in our head. Um, and I'm, again, that's when I look at non-ADHD people, I'm like, well, how can you not think of this idea, right? It's so obvious. So I actually, go ahead, Julie. It's the same with HSP. Mm -hmm. you know, we have that ability for complex thinking. I think that's where there are deep similarities and that ability to system think and put, di you know, divergent thinking. And I think that is a gift. And we can only have that because we have a brain that is, let's put it more open. Yeah, it is exactly. in boxes. Um, it, we, we, we need to make more connections in order to sort of survive. Yeah, so we <laughs> need to we do. time. Exactly. I mean, for example, you know, I just laugh at you because I have my piano here in the background. And yesterday, um, and I, yeah, yesterday was Sunday, I was actually going to do something with the pianist, but then he had something else and he couldn't come. But I had started to prepare the music and I was like, you know, two copies, one for the pianist, and there were just three pages for him and three pages for me. And I swear, I know I copied six pages. 
I could find one complete copy and the other one, page one and page three. And I was like, I turned everything around and I was like, this can't be, it can't just have disappeared. And then, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's just, it costs so much energy. And then before it I would have beating myself up and like, I'm like, how can mm-hmm. you be so disorganized? How can you be? And then I said, you know what, you're like, one, he's not showing up today. So don't fret if you don't get that. Two, you have a copier in your office. So if the middle part is missing, just go, you know, and, and, and copy the second page again. And I'll better you find it the day you made that copy. But it's just to laugh at ourselves and just say, you know yeah. what? That doesn't make mind. Right. I, and that's, you know, self-acceptance is such a huge part of what we're both saying. Accept that you have these things and that these, I'm using air quotes for um, the, Sarah's listeners who can't see my hands, but these things make you unique and special, but they also come with some hindrances sometimes. And so you need to understand how to govern yourself and how to learn to accept. I, Sarah, I don't like that I'm so sensitive that I can't watch the news. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't like that about myself. I think I should be involved, a, a world citizen. And, and yet, you know what? It breaks my heart too much. You know, and there's time. I that, but for me, when I hear that, and I've gone through these same conversations in my head, right? I think, yeah. How come you can't just sit there for hours and not let it bug you? And I'm thinking, right. that's the wrong question to ask. Why should I sit there for hours and let it bug me? I can find out in five minutes what's happening on a high level and on anything else I need to know in more depth. I'm a great researcher. I can go and say, okay, I need more info on this and this and this. I want it from three or four different sources so I can figure out where the middle is in all of this. And I'm done with it. I'd rather be doing things that I walk away from feeling good. And so for me, that's been my, boy, that has been my challenge. And I don't want to say challenge, but it's really an awareness and a rigor to paying attention to what's what's getting my attention. Like, what am I allowing to have my mental space? Because for me, if I am really rigorous about what's my intention about what's coming in, I can feel. It's ironic. I can't, I don't express my emotions well, which is a whole Enneagram thing, but I can feel them and I can feel when something's wrong. And I'm thinking, okay, let's just remove yourself from this environment. Let's see, go out in nature, go breathe some fresh air, do something. But it's that rigor. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm old enough to know when the news came in paper at the end of a day and for an hour a night, maybe two hours a night. Now, honest to God, that's plenty. I don't need a 24-hour news cycle to tell me the world's going underneath because I need to hear people who are telling me what's going well, that there is hope, that there are people doing research like the two of you, people who are caring for other people. I need to talk with people who are like, well, we got this. It may be messy. It may be hard, but we're not quitting. You know, we love, we love humanity. Let's just say that. Do we love all parts of it? No, not equally. Honestly, I don't know myself all the time. So, but I do think, Tamara, that whole thing is like, I should be able to do that, you know? Yeah. I should be able to ride a horse without being nervous. I'm thinking, sure you should. After having been bucked off all those times, you're never going to feel as comfortable as you did before those events. You're before they, yeah. It's like, okay, it is what it is. So that's been a release for me of just going, it just is what it is. 
And that's self-acceptance. Right. Well, that's taken a while to get there, Tamara. So when you say self-acceptance, I think that is so important. It's like, here's who I am. Here's what I've got right now. It's not all I've got. It's not all I can be. So, which is interesting because the Yoli has this hypothesis. And I, I want to talk about it a little bit because I do want Tamara's thought on it, right? We were talking about the Enneagram, highly sensitive people, leadership, like what what is there to be known about that? Now, I'm not a researcher, so I don't do my hypotheses tidy. Yoli does. So, Yoli, can you explain like a couple of the questions we're kicking around? And then um, I'd like to hear Tamara's thoughts about, oh, what what else? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So, you know, since we all share the same traits, we all love complexity, right? So um, the question here was, how can we um, make this complexity more um, graspable, understandable in terms of um, making it useful to people? And so we thought, since the change leader aspect is you know so much my thing and to say and i really like to stress that again that you know you you, you gave that question sarah about how is society not working in a way that is good for either hsp or adhd people what would need to change so to actually take responsibility to build a world that is better for all human beings but definitely better for those that have a neurodivergent nervous system. Um, so there was this, we wanted to come up with either a questionnaire or, or a way of saying, can you actually find out by, for example, saying, are there, and I know there's a little bit of research in that, what, what kind of Enneagram types are also HSP or are there types in the Enneagram that tend to be HSP, for example, or another thing that I find very interesting is spiral dynamics um, to say, oh, yes, where in the spiral dynamic spectrum is there, mm. are there uh, clusters of HSPs? Do they hang around in either in green or in yellow um, in order to sort of get a little, a few other ways of looking at it than than just rather just looking at the neurology um in that is fascinating so that's yeah. something thank you thank you because sarah and i were trying i mean you're most welcome to join us in that you know since you are you know you've probably done more of that kind of research and you ha how can uh, one can build something like that that can be useful for example for hr personnel or therapists or just come up with with that sort of rule so, of classifying. Yeah, so my gut instinct, <laughs> um, you'll understand why I just laughed at myself. Uh, my gut instinct says you're not going to find it in the Enneagram. I think it's equally dispersed through the Enneagram. Oh, okay. Why? Um, uh, well, uh, using myself as an example, I'm a type 8. Hmm. I don't want HSP. I think it makes me weak. Now, just, I mean, I'm, ex I'm using hyperbole just to make a point, but a type eight would not seek out this extra knowing and sensitivity that I carry. Um, in fact, I see it 
a bit as a burden sometimes. Um, and it clouds my decision-making. And as an eight, um, I'm thinking, well, this is, I wish I didn't know this knowledge um, and is it knowledge. And so um, when I relax and grow into it, I see myself as a change maker bringing light because of this, right? Um, but as a coach, I have seen HSP throughout all my clients. And I'm trained enough in the Enneagram to know my client's Enneagram without them. Well, they tell you all the time, if they, even if they don't know the Enneagram. And so my suspicion is it's everywhere not just the fours who want to be HSPs. In fact, I've seen fours who aren't HSPs. And you would think, well, golly, they've got to be HSPs, if anyone. And I've seen sixes the same way, who I wouldn't judge as an um, on your scale. However, spiral dynamics is a fascinating... So so maybe I maybe approach it... What does it look like to be an HSP and an eight? What does it look like to be an HSP and a nine and, yeah, and so on? But I would leave that to the two of you because I barely know my way around in your grammar. I know I'm a four. <laughs> well, the question me wants to, to have a deep argument with Tamara right now. Like, okay, I can explain that. But not an argument, but I just think it's fascinating. I think you're probably right that it is dispersed, but how it shows up would be different. Different. Very yes. different. That would be and very interesting to to look at, you know, in terms yeah. of supporting clients also. Like you said, you know, I'm an HSP but I don't want to be. Like I don't struggle with that so much, maybe because I'm a four, I don't know. But uh, I don't know enough about it really. Um because then again we would have the same thing that my thought that I have in the spectrum and you probably do that in your work, is that if you have a client who's a six or an eight or a four, you would actually work differently with them. Because yes. they have different personality to tie that back to our discussion before. Yeah. Base base personality. And they need different tools other than the basic tools that right. everyone needs. They have different preferences, I would think. And also we have to take into account the, the subtypes, like are they self pres are they social? Yeah. Are they one on one? So there's a lot of nuances, Jolie, you're exactly right. And the resistance okay. is different. Yeah. Yes. Now, spiral dynamics brings in a fascinating aspect. And I'm wondering if, and I'm just wondering along with you, with your hypothesis, I wonder if HSP may be present at all levels, but how one interprets and responds to becomes different. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to find out simply because I have a huge bias. <laughs> so... You know, my yeah, bias tell me. People, yeah, my bias is simply that you find them in the green and the yellow and maybe even the next, I think it's uh, the purple, the violet. I don't know what the English word for that is. Um, so that is my bias. But, you know, yeah. I have, um, it would be interesting to find out whether it is actually just like in the Enneagram distrib distributed. It's just that this yeah. thing that HSPs have about social justice about um you know communicating like you said with those antennas communicating with animals and plants and you know some of us will say of course that plant talked to me and so others will go yes yeah right. i yeah. 
so I mean, there's things that just don't fit in the red spectrum. Maybe yeah. that's just a bias. I don't know. Oh, by the way, uh, here's my thought for you too. We'll keep we'll flesh out some of the questions, Tamara. We're going to involve you and in like, what do you think about this? What are we missing about? Oh, I'd this? love it. But we do want to. We want to start peeling back the onion on some of this. Just see if there's some things that can be learned from it. And um, and I will, you know, since Lily is the official researcher, I will allow her make sure we don't mess stuff up. But um, I'm curious. I'm I'm curious just yeah. because I think it opens avenues for understanding ourselves and each other. I love it. Wait, though. Let's do it the HSP way. I'm not the chief researcher. I have a certain part of the knowledge, and you guys have other parts of the knowledge. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> oh, heck, I was going to have you be the chief researcher. Okay, I will share with you, and we will we will pick Tamara's brain. We'll just see what comes of it, and it'll be like I would love to be a part of this. Yeah, I would love to be a part of this. Um, I think for for ADHD in the ADHD world, understanding more about HSP would be a favor to many of my clients with ADHD. Um, and so. Yeah, I would love to be a part of what you guys are working on. I think this is exciting. Um, yeah. And thanks for this conversation, Sarah. Thanks for bringing us together. It was one of those things, like you say, I just thought after I talked to you, I'm thinking, oh, she needs to know Yoli. And then after I talked to you, oh, you really do need to talk to Tamara. Why? I don't know, but you do. So here's what I want to thank both of you for. This is not the best time of day for Yoli. She, she's ahead of us. By hours, oh. you're me by hours. So it's right. only for me, but it's later for her and later for you. But I want to thank both of you because you've been so free in sharing your own experiences, your own, the work that you've done that is changing the world. It really is changing the world. And for letting me kind of be along with the ride. Um, and I want to give each of you a chance to say your last, whatever your thought is. It doesn't have to be profound, just something that you want to leave folks thinking about and we will promise to bring this group together again and then we will also let folks know as we go forward if there's an opportunity for them to get involved in sharing information or participating in a survey or however it gets designed we'll come back and let folks know on the podcast if you can't wait reach out to me at sarahbox.com and just say tamara yoli I'm in, and we'll we'll make sure you're part of our discovery process. So, whichever one of you would like to say your parting words first, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, so Yoli just pointed to me. So, uh, first of all, Yoli, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, and I'm so glad that Sarah and you we had to meet. Uh. I want to just encourage uh, your listeners, if, if there's a listener who's been like, wow, I think I do have ADHD, and I think I, I think I've marked the boxes for HSP, and probably you've already Googled both things while listening to this podcast, um, I, I want you to know, like, yes, we have been talking about there's a burden, but there's also a bright side to it. And a lot of times, because I have um, my sensitivities, 
my challenges, I can really meet people where they are and I can be, I can be light to them in a very dark world. And it, it is a gift that we carry too. Yeah, I totally agree with Tamara. There's not really much to add um, other than, you know, again, say there's so much happening in the research world and and in the therapy world and in the somatics, polysomatics, um, healing world, be it with frequencies, be it with, um, you know, trauma relief. There's so much out there now that can actually empower people like us. And um, so take hope, you know, ask questions, reach out to us. Um, just know that, um, you know, you might be more fragile in certain aspects, but we have a lot of power. We have a lot of skills. We just need to learn, learn about it and be confident. And well, again, in my case, my case may just add that help to build another world rather than wait for others to build it for us. I think that's another important point. Yes, there's no point of waiting. You might as well, you know, it's the old be the change you want. Just stand up. Other people who align with you will come alongside. Trust that. We're here together. We didn't know each other a year ago. There we are. Um, so listeners, I want to thank you for hanging in there, learning some things, hopefully feeling uplifted and empowered about yourself, about people you know. You've learned a little bit more about how someone might show up, whether it's you or a family member. Um, and I encourage you, we will put in the show notes how to reach both Tamara and Yoli. I encourage you to reach out to them, follow them both. They're currently doing important work, so you can learn more there. We will also put the previous episode links in the podcast show notes so if you want to know more about yoli and the work she's doing or tamra those will be in there too so as always relax just go to the show notes and get what you need and we will talk to you next week on another episode of the no labels no limits podcast thanks you've been listening to the no labels no limits podcast with best-selling author change agent and strategic business coach sarah box you can grab the show notes and find out how to work with sarah at sarahbox.com slash no labels no limits podcast we'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible please remember to rate leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation till next time keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals and business in life